1: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot,
0: Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage Absolutely amazing uh, National World War Two Museum, and I am here with my great pal. Uh,
2: prof- are you still professor? Uh, I don't call myself professor. Here. I'm. The but senior- you are professor. I am the senior historian here at the National World War Two Museum.
0: However, but your name is Rob Setino, <laughs> yes, and he is. and Rob is. Uh, I'm sure you were voted or um, announced as being. The greatest living professor of history in America at one in point. In
2: 2007, RateMyProfessors.com, dot, dot the online rating service for <laughs> students, called me the number one professor in the United States, which was funny. I mean, you know, you don't run for it. It's a self-selected sample. Sure. It'd be churlish to turn you know, it down. Yeah, I yeah was you know, going to take it. that on you. But I, I even got um, the, the publicity even reached in, into the United Kingdom, where if I knew the name of the author, I'll get it to you later, James, uh, said I was the fairy on top of the academic tree. Well, which is really kind of the most the beautiful thing ever. Yeah, said, yeah, that is that's, that's said that's absolutely beautiful.
0: That really <laughs> is lovely. Um, and I've got to say, um, people, that Rob, is not only has he become a really good friend, um, we always have a blast whenever we hook up. Um Indeed. He's also a man who's really, really influenced my writing and my work, and particularly uh, the stuff I was doing on the war in the West when I was first starting on that. You know, I read all your books and, and um, the German way of war. And, and, You really have, uh, you're one of a handful of historians who's really, really properly made me think, yeah, okay, I absolutely buy into that. Uh, There's not many.
2: Good, good. You uh, know, Adam Tooze is another, I would say. I would say Adam, Adam Tooze is very, I think, has a, Adam has a very strong point of view, which he which he, he fights his own corner well, man, he's got tons of evidence to back up everything he says. I really think, you know, I don't want to pick up a three or four hundred page book anymore at this stage of my life, I'm in my sixties now, um, <laughs> unless it has You've got guitars to, to play. I have guitars to play, and I have mountains to climb, all those sort of things. But unless the book has a point of view, what, what we normally say in the academic business, Book has a thesis. I'm really right. not very interested in reading it at this point. So, as you know, my notion about the Germans is that they, they evolved this sort of hard hitting, front loaded, highly mobile a form of war to win decisive battles at the outset within weeks of the outset of fighting. This is Bewegungskrieg. And this is Bewegungskrieg, which, you know, the war of movement, uh, auf Deutsch, war of movement in German. Uh, because they just didn't think they could win the lo- a longer war of attrition based on production and logistics. So this led them into, because they thought that, it led them into, you know, we would say all sorts of unusual... Maneuvers in both World War One and World War Two. Not really paying much attention to intelligence or counterintelligence or logistics or.
0: Who needs that? Because we're going to win. Because this, we're because going to knock them out really quickly. Prepared
2: so carefully in peacetime, that this is going to be over very quickly. And you not so. So you really think that that's why intelligence, a German intelligence associate. I do. I just don't. I think if you had any look in the American system, if you have something on the ball, they'll they'll put you into the intelligence branch. You'll become a logistician. In Germany, the only thing really worth going for in, 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 in the German military mm. mindset was into the maneuver arms. And so that's where all the most brilliant officers uh, officers went. Right. Uh, so there's a, very, there's a very small general staff. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there's these highly aggressive maneuver officers. Uh, the, the operations section of the German general staff in World War II, so obviously the one that would put together all the operations, operations mm. section, if I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting this right. it had precisely 18 officers in it, and compared to the, you know, amazing, the American War Department, compared yeah, right. to the Pentagon, think about the Pentagon, there's, uh, there's 18 aides. All the, all the, operation, all the um, sure. staff officers have 18 aides, and those aides have 18 aides, and it's just of You probably have to put the two zeros or three zeros after right. to get the number of planners in a modern military, but the Germans, you know, very much based on that system of sort of the inspired genius, the Moltkean-inspired genius. Klausowicz spent a lot of time talking about just what it meant to be a genius, military yeah. a genius. But essentially what it meant was your ability to size up in a situation almost instantaneously. <laughs> the, the, the French, the coup d'oeil, right? The, yeah. The, 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 glance, the single glance of the eye. Yes. I mean, obviously it means terrain, but it means other things too. Yes. And, and that's really. What and also makes sense,
0: which uh, which you can only get, you know, from experience, right? Uh, yes,
2: it's it, it is it is inborn. It's in that some kind of, way, of least, innate kind yeah. of. There's some innate quality. reading the situation, there's some innate quality, and of course, it can be sharpened, uh, as all innate qualities can be then be sharpened by experience and training. Yeah. So I'm um, I'm fascinated by that. Um, look, let's not let's not mock it too much. The Germans landed big blows at the beginning of both world wars. They were on the, well, outs- uh, were uh, on the uh, outskirts of Paris and one and they were on the outskirts of Moscow and the other. So, lest we turn World War II into some kind of... German name, uh, It was some kind of... Ev- uh, uh, foregone right. conclusion. Let's treat right, yeah, yeah, World War II as a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah.
0: Um, but but I, I, I think what really struck me when I was reading um, The German Way of War is this idea that Basically this idea of of, of Bavagan's this idea that you, you you hit your enemy incredibly hard at the outright, knock them off their balance, then you do the kind of kettle schnack. Yes. That actually is as old as the hills comparatively for for, for the Prussians. Yes. Russians, then the Germans. Yes. You know, they, they Frederick the elector has been doing it, Frederick yeah. the Great's been doing it, they do it in eighteen sixty four, they do it in eighteen sixty six, they do yes. it in nineteen fourteen, yes. they do it they do it in nineteen forty. I mean nothing has changed, basically the principles haven't changed. What's changed is
2: the, 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 the kind of a kit they've got to do it. Yeah, so um, so the uh, the search for the Kessel the, the battle of encirclement. To put it, you know, in its basic yeah. form, um, under Maltke it was done with widely separated armies, which which attack their adversary from, from multiple directions. And right. you're sort of forcing the adversary to kind of defend in too many places. And eventually, right. they're going to find some place to you will find some place to flank and, and and win. By World War II, it had turned into something approaching. Absolute physical encirclement. Right. Um, th- that is multiple mechanized columns moving like lightning, ranging all around your perimeter and fi- inevitably finding a weak spot, and then just chopping you up like a roast. Right. I mean, that's what happened to the, the, the Red Army in the opening yeah, four yeah. or five
0: months of, the, mean, of the war. I mean, it's just one
2: encirclement after another, isn't it? There was the bi- of course, the Germans landed a big one on the Anglo-French forces in, in France in 1940. There might have been something like two million men inside that pocket. It wasn't complete, of course. It was the yep. sea was on one side and the British got to Dunkirk. Yep. Um, I know nowadays it's become de rigueur to talk about the, the encirclements on the Eastern Front that they were incomplete and many Soviet troops managed to escape the encirclements. But, yeah, you know, but, look, but you, you know, don't win a war by escaping encirclements. So no, no, that's true.
0: And also, you know, I mean, this—I mean, the Allies get a lot of beef for kind of you know Germans getting away from Messina yes. or from the Falaise Gap or whatever.
2: But but the, but yeah, the but point, if you the were a German is, inside the Falaise Gap. You never wanted to relive that experience. That's no, all. That, or inside the Falaise. No, no, that's certainly true. Uh, you know, but, every inch of it was raked by Allied artillery fire, every inch of the yeah, Falaise. Gap. Totally.
0: But you know, I mean in the Soviet Union, these encirclements, I mean, you know, it's not like putting a massive, huge, great wall around a, yeah, an army group. I mean,
2: there's lots of gaps. Of course there's going to be, and particularly given the the road-poor infrastructure of yep. the Western Soviet Union, there's a lot of ways to filter out and escape. But let us say the Germans surrounded um, 175,000 Soviets in Bialystok. Let us say then they they surrounded another 350,000 <laughs> at Minsk or so. And 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 let us say that a handful i don't know let's say 10% of those troops escape that's still a big encirclement so well so i we? was just i yeah. was just saying that even if 10% of the troops escape those the encirclement thousand, going, you really going, want going. a big victory so i mean let's go to kiev where you know, there's a lot of, uh, what's the word, controversy about the Kiev encirclement. Is that a little mood music in the back, James?
0: That's okay. That's fine. We we'll don't mind a little, little bit of little tinkling on the piano? Is that Patton's piano? i have been I'll,
2: hearing about this? Patton's piano was in this Patton's hotel. Piano? and is I promised, hotel? I mean, well, how amazing is that? I'll take you there in a moment if you haven't seen it I want to see it, yeah. Okay. Um, at, at, at Kiev, we hear a lot that the Germans were heading for Moscow. The road to Moscow was open. Hitler inexplicably turned into the Ukraine and yep. landed this big encirclement in Kiev. First of all, the, the road to Moscow wasn't open. We know that now. Yep. There's tough Soviet uh, uh, defenses east of Smolensk. But, you know, you do turn into the Ukraine and you surround 700, you circle 750,000 Red Army troops. Let's say 10% of them once again escape. Let's say 20% of them escape. I don't care. That's a heck of a lot that happens. It's still one of the greatest operational victories of all. Hard to call that one a blunder. I'm sorry. I've always felt that... Well, yes, yes,
0: except that because they come with this ideological thing, anything less than total annihilation... Well, there you go. ...is not going to go. So 90%, it's a bit... it's a bit like saying, you know, Monty saying that kind of Market Garden was ninety percent successful. You know, well, you the ten percent that wasn't
2: successful is, yeah. is a problem. Yeah, it's like saying an airplane that crashes on its way from Birmingham to London was successful if it got ninety percent of the way. Crashed ten miles outside of London. I mean, that's yeah. a ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thing to say. Um, yeah, of course it is. But but, but but I will say I will. Look, you know, I'll, I'll coin a phrase that no yeah. one's ever said before. Go on. In. War is the continuation of politics by other means. Right. So if your aims that's are a total line. physical, I love that. if your aims are total physical annihilation on a racial basis of your adversary, you can expect war to the knife from the beginning. And of course, it's it's not it's not only a Impulsive, strategic aim—it's a ridiculous strategic aim. Yeah. no one's going to allow you to do that. Well, because, you need because a you're, you're, you're making your job of victory just just a whole lot harder. Oh yes, yes—you've just you completely raised the stakes where victory could have been had um, a, a, a force on force, regular state on regular state. Who knows? Stalin gets assassinated by one of his minions. Yep. Some quizzling government or some some uh, accommodationist yep. regime comes to the fore. It's entirely possible, but it's going to be tough to sell that one when the Germans came in murdering, and then kept murdering. Yeah, because I mean, murdering. talk about
0: shoot yourself in the foot. I mean, yep. you know, there are operations in Bada, Russia, the Baltic, Ukraine, where they could have expected quite a lot of sympathy for their arrival. You know, certainly not, they not, got not, a
2: lot of sympathy in, in original entry into the Ukraine and into the Baltic states. So yeah, you know, but
0: but 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 they blow it by, you know, this sort of. Unbelievable kind of Whirlwind of violence Yes I, um,
2: I've, I've had to give A lot of thought Because you know I'm interested in operations And I've had to give A lot of thought To what's underlying German military operations And you can't should never get Too enthusiastic about any of them No Um it's not. It was not good. The, 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 the totality of the German victory in France was not good for the world. No. If, they, if the Germans had been held up there, maybe Hitler would have been overthrown in 1940
0: or 41. Oh, I, I think a very, very high chance of that. I do too. Uh, and, so, and, and a lot of the senior Wehrmacht commanders thought that that was going to happen. Um, that, well, not that he was
2: going to be overthrown, that they weren't going to win. Certainly, uh, the vast majority did not go into the campaign in the West thinking they were about to win the kind of victory they did. No. And, of course, the tragedy there is that's, that's when Hitler really... Just really cemented his hold over everyone, over the entire nation. You could you can posit a certain kind of war weariness. Sort of first of all, a kind of Nazi weariness in Germany in thirty eight and thirty nine. Yeah, yeah. You no can one po- wants you war can, in nineteen thirty nine it. And and then in, in nineteen thirty nine and then nineteen thirty nine, nineteen forty, you can Posed a lot of nervousness on the part of the German population. Of course, 1940 just blew all that away. Hitler now seemed like an absolute stone military genius. His, yeah, yeah. his trained professional officers around him seemed like seemed uh, dull and orthodox and completely ordinary compared to this sort of specially endowed gift that Hitler had. And of course, that was nonsense. Um, Hitler starts out with some inspired choices, like a lot of beginners do. Yeah. But then he lapses into what we can only call, you know, unprofessional and, and even. Defective decisions very, very early on. Um, we had a good comment today, and I'm, I'm not sure who made it. Was it David Stahl from University of New South Wales, or was it Rob Nelson from University of Windsor? He said, um, Got to remember, where is the Hitler invading the Soviet Union? What a blunder. No one can conquer Russia, but the Germans had conquered it the last time out. That is in World War I. <laughs> right. um, it took them it took longer than they thought. It certainly wasn't any kind of lightning victory. But there is nothing special about Russia. Regimes have been toppled from both directions in yeah. Russia. So I, I, you know, Hitler invading Russia certainly turned out to be the biggest strategic blunder of all time. Certainly didn't look that way for the first two and a half months or so. Well,
0: there's an awful lot of people who sort of… I mean, I mean the bottom line is, 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 you know,
2: before he invades the Soviet Union, Operation Barbarossa,
0: I mean, he's got two choices. He's either got to go for it or he's got to sue for peace somewhere. Yeah. And, and you know clearly the super peace option is not on the table at all. Yeah, if you're yeah, Hitler, yeah. So you have no choice because you're yeah. running out of stuff. You just aren't. You're not getting what you need. From so you get
2: to the English Channel and you get to the English Channel in June of 1940, and it's way faster than you thought you would. Yeah. And now what? <laughs> and so the Germans, as you know, and spend 1940. i going through all these running all these staff studies, and they're invading, invading the Middle East, invading Persia, doing do, yeah, yeah. doing doing this or that, invading. Portugal invading the Azores. There's, yeah, yeah. there's a million operational plans on the table. Yeah, None of them are going to get you any closer to victory. But what does that show me, James? It shows me the Germans were convinced that you you design a clever enough operation, you'll eventually win a war. But that's not necessarily true. No. You have to convince your opponent that it's hopeless. Yeah. And Churchill didn't never thought it was hopeless. No.
0: With American backing, he certainly didn't think I it mean, was. I mean, lots of people did because I think they were so shell-shocked by what had happened because it just was so unscripted. Yeah. No one was expecting it to happen. So I think the shock of defeat is what... what what shatters so many people, you know, what, what is the genius of Churchill in the summer of 1940 is, is that he, bit by bit, manages to kind of persuade, yeah. n- not just his immediate colleagues, which is the biggest obstacle, but yeah, then man. the whole country. But actually, there's lots. There's lots that Britain can actually feel quite confident about.
2: There's any number of uh, alternate histories, which have Lord Halifax coming into, you know, into the prime ministership and, in May of 1940 and, you know, reaching some kind of accommodation with yes. Hitler. And that's, it's entirely possible. I think uh, it's funny. Will a Churchill of kind of power and immediately galvanize the entire nation? I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it was immediate at all. But I do think bit no, by gradual. bit. It's gradual. It's over the bit. And, yeah. and
0: it's just to realize that the Germans aren't coming, that actually, you know, they've got a lot in their favor. They've got the dominions. They've got yeah. the, the empire. They've got this huge global reach. Um, there's all sorts of things that kind of, you know, th- that Britain has access to that the Germans don't. And, yeah. you know, that's all a big tick. And, oh, and but of course, as, as, as time passes, every sort of passing day, every passing week, a month that the Germans don't arrive, however critical the situation may be, however kind of sort of, you know, strong the Germans might seem, um, they're getting used to, British people are getting used to that idea of what has happened. They've, 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 they're yeah, getting over the shock of, yeah, of the loss of France. You the, can, I
2: mean, Dunkirk was a shock to the system, fall of France. There's France, the rock of 19, you know, 1914, and now mm-hmm. just, just being submerged immediately. Um, yeah, that period is really interesting to me. There's this cabinet meeting that Churchill holds. He says, "I, think, I fully expect that within several weeks, most of us around this table will be lined up against a wall and shot." <laughs> yeah, just, Come right. on, man, that's great. Isn't How it? do you do that? Yeah, this is good. why is we, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's going on in the UK and your feelings about Winston Churchill anymore. Oh, he's much him. beloved over here in the United States. No, I think States. he's I'll great. You know? I, think he's, I think he's a great man, but I also think Roosevelt's
0: a great man as well. I mean, that doesn't mean to say they don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean to say yeah. that some of their decisions are, are, are not great. But they're they're really great men, and they and they have this enormous geopolitical understanding, right. which is what you want and you you need. Global war, yeah, yeah, global yeah. Well, they have global war. They they but they understand how they fit into the war. They understand what can be what can be achieved. They understand strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, Hitler is just so myopic. You know, yeah. Muslim is even worse. The Japanese yeah. are even worse. You know, they just don't. Have that kind of big picture stuff. That, that arguably Mussolini
2: had decent strategic ideas that if Italy was to be a world player, had to break out of its Mediter- Mediterranean prison and play out on the world's oceans. But at least there's a strategy there. I was reading. Um, uh, I just pop up. Uh, can I mention other people's books? Of course. Yeah. I just uh, uh, cracked open David Stahl's new book called "The Retreat from Moscow." That's the German retreat from Moscow yeah, in yeah. 1941 or two. Um, and uh, you know, he's got Hitler in there screaming. I don't know. It, it takes some random place to. Suchenichi must be held to the last man. <laughs> and I don't even know where it is on a map. No, I mean I think <laughs> Ber, I brilliant. think Berlin must be held to the last man. But every single village on the, uh, you know, on on, on the soap from, from horizon to horizon in the Soviet Union, that is not strategy to me. That's a it's sort of a tick. Yeah. Do you know what amazing, I mean? It's kind it? of a. But kind of he
0: always a, does this, and I mean, you know, I mean, he's he, he's so erratic, and also he's so indecisive a lot of the time. Sometimes he's very decisive, but a lot of the time he's very indecisive, yeah. uh, and he's constantly hedging his bets, which is just the worst possible thing because it means you're faffing, it means you're prevaricating, yeah. you're not
2: being decisive. But I remember, think, I mean, as a pol- as a politician, I would say this as a as an up and coming, you know, rising fascist, and then as the as the Fuhrer of Germany, not just the part, not just the Nazi Party. Hitler had often done that. He let the situation ripen until like, there was only one option available, and then convinced himself that Providence had been leading him in that direction always. Yep. And he did this. Thing. He always talked about Providence. You know, I, I, go, I I walk with the assurance of a sleepwalker. You know, I'm just walking, and I know that, I'm, that Providence is going to keep me safe. So it had worked for him in politics. Maybe it works in politics. It's probably the, I think, waiting until you only have one strategic option is not a strategy. <laughs>
0: no. It's you not know? at all. I mean,
2: one, if you only have one option. So look at the Japanese before Pearl Harbor. They, had, they, they were just debating whether to have played a, a ride on the Northern Road or the Southern Road. Yep. The Northern Road would be a, another go at the Soviet Union yep. after the big, you know, the disaster at mm-hmm. Um And the Southern Road would be a strike into the Pacific to gain resource-rich resource, resource yep. rich Southeast Asia. You'd have to knock out the United States fleet before you did that. And, um, you know, those are the two. And they tried one it didn't work, and that was Nomonhan, You know, they, they didn't want to do that again. They didn't want to fight Zhukov on the plains of Siberia. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they just don't have that kind of army. And so, you know, they said, well, that's what we got left, and they, they, they bombed Pearl Harbor. But, you know, there's a third strategy. Like, that was the northern road, the southern road. How about the road of diplomacy? Yes. But, you know, that, that one probably. Yeah. Uh, how how about
0: still buying stuff in from America and, yeah, right, and,
2: right? and kind of, yeah. But I think, I think, look, and James, we're talking about fascist regimes here. Fascist regimes are predicated on the decisive man. The great genius, the personality—he sits alone in his room, but sees all things. It's almost, you know, it's almost—it's it's idealist in a kind but, but, of a but also nationalism sense. as well. Oh yes, and that is—you know—you're based on based on the racial purity of the folk and all these crazy ideas. Japanese have the Yamato race, yep. But I always think. Fascist regimes are not prone to diplomacy. They're not prone to thoughtful no. debate of the issues. That's just, that cuts against their grain. Of course so, because
0: it's just, it, yeah, absolutely, because it's just not what they do. The whole point is, is they bend everybody else to their own way of thinking. Yes. So if in diplomacy, it's give and take. Yes, you're not getting your way.
2: <laughs> and You're not getting your Both way. Both sides should walk away from the table in diplomacy. They should walk away dissatisfied, but saying, well, best we could do. Give fascism its due in the military sphere. It took two medium-sized powers, Germany and Japan, and made them real threats yes. to the Anglo-American sort of global dominion. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, to, the two powers, along with France at the beginning, who controlled the world's ocean and thus this controlled all trade.
0: Yeah. Um, and and, and it's, it's bonkers, really, that they yeah. managed to get so far because you look at you look at you know what Germany hasn't got, um, and it's it's the same shortcomings that it had. You you pointed out so brilliant in your work. Um, you know, back in the eighteenth century, and seventeenth century, and nineteenth yeah. century, you know, they're, they're, they're largely landlocked. They're not entirely, but yeah. they're they're stuck in the middle of Europe. They don't have access to the world's oceans, really. Right. Right. Um, you know, the Baltics a bit of a mess. Right. Um, right. You know, there's a Royal Navy in the way if they want to get out of the North Sea. Right. Um, that they're, they're not resource rich anyway that central part of Europe. So where, you've got to get stuff from elsewhere.
2: Yes, I just, or you got to conquer it. I, I just look back. I look at the world of the '30s and '40s, and there was real fear that Germany and Japan. Would come to dominate the globe. You know, we laugh at this notion today. Oh, yeah. And it is laughable. I think today, I think Germany is today what it was always destined to be a strong regional power, which yeah. frightens its immediate neighbors and has enormous mil- uh, 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 financial strength, you know, yeah. uh, economic strength. And not everyone's happy about Germany today, but um, the fascist dream, it, I mean, it, it's, uh, I, I said, you know, give, give it its due. I don't I, That's the wrong way to put it. It was a seductive vision, both internally, but also externally, that these powers were irresistible. And that was kind of a. T- that was a that's a coin of the realm too. Mm. It, like ancient Sparta, you know, only had like five thousand warriors, and, and they rarely fought a big war because they had a reputation that they were so perfect as warriors that they would just mop up the floor with anybody. So people tread very lightly around them, and that's that's appeasement. Yeah. It, was, it was reputation that Hitler was saying yeah, we're yeah. really powerful, and it's a projection like, of power, isn't it? The projection of power. That's a, and a that's gun- why they don't have you know
0: horses in the newsreels. You just have kind of half tracks and panzers.
2: Of course. Um, so, um, in I mean, I love, it, I love
0: it. What, no, the story. What's that amazing story of the of the um, of the French chief of the air force who comes up in 1938 right. and he goes and visits Erhard Milk and the Luftwaffe. Yes, and they, keep, and, they and they keep taking off and running that and go flying to the so next. So they he comes to an airfield. And he comes with, and goes, "We haven't got a chance. Never been Filled with
2: Messerschmitts. They them another airfield. <laughs> filled yeah. with Messerschmitts. Same Messerschmitts. It's the same, same Messerschmitts. Different course. airfield. Yeah, I've heard that story many times. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, I have no doubt that it's true. Um, I I forget which one of my books. Maybe Death of the Wehrmacht. Or one of the, of my Wehrmacht trilogy so-called uh gerhard weinberg when i was showing him the manuscript he reads my manuscripts. a wonderful yep. senior you got the you got the dominant figure in the field for the last 50 years reading your stuff you always feel pretty protected yep. also a bit nervous he said I, I like the book um love the book but i i was you know look at your photos it's all tanks 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 he said if you really want an honest picture of the wehrmacht it should be horses and men horses and men horses and men
0: yeah, yeah. i said well
2: you know nobody will buy the book but but <laughs> but it, it absolutely is um You know the number at the outset. There were a handful of panzer divisions and a handful of so-called light divisions. Yep. Halfway houses between a cavalry division and a panzer Mm -hmm. division. And that was about it. The rest of that army, uh, you know, walked to war just like its fathers had done. Uh, Although... The rest of the Wehrmacht was far less well trained yeah. than the Imperial yeah, Army in 1914, yeah, yeah, yeah. Far less well trained. Yeah, yeah, but even even in 1940,
0: I think only 35 percent of the army was probably trained, fully trained. So the attacks in, yeah, in that'd
2: be about right. There were cla- there was uh, uh, there, you know sort of class A's and Bs and right. Cs and, and, right. you and reservists and and all the rest of it. And there's just really a, a, a relatively small handful of divisions, including the mechanized divisions, working in concert with the um, working in concert with the Luftwaffe. So, I mean, there's the there's the myth of Blitzkrieg that this was just an all-conquering army that would crush anything in this path. If you look at a Panzer One today, you know, it's kind of funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, six it's, foot and it's got a little sort of PG to it. It's a tankette. It's a tank.
2: Right. It has a two man crew and it doesn't have a main gun. No. It's a two man crew and has a machine gun. A the turret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, well. and it's it's probably imper- it's barely impervious to small arms fire. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly not impervious to a hit from anything, mm-hmm. you know, anything larger than that.
0: it's amazing how people just still go on and on about how it can brilliant Jumbo kit
2: kit is. I know. now I I did a interesting we do travel programs here at the museum. Right. Which we take guests to various travel sites, World War Two related. Right. We have I'm a historian, I lecture usually on ship. We have ace, you know, yep. tour guys on the sites. Right. So we recently went to Crete. Oh, yes, you've had your, just had your Aegean foray. i just had you? my Aegean foray, yes. I, I have gazed upon the bust of Agamemnon and all kinds of other things, right. too. We just had a, a great time. Um, we saw the, the, the burial mound of the warriors at Marathon. Right. You know, 192 gave their lives Fantastic. Western civilization in yeah, 490 yeah. B.C. BCE. Um, but then we went to Crete and uh, we saw ancient sites, the Palace of Knossos, you know, yeah, yeah. Minos' Palace. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Oh. Um, but then we went to Malame, where the big paratroop was, where the German paratroopers were. The, you know. airfield, so the, 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 the airfield
0: has never been lost.
2: The myth is, you know, they just came down, they seized yeah, that island. But you read that campaign. They came out of those airplanes, and they got shot to pieces by Absolutely, a fully pieces iler- alerted they, l- they
0: lost 50% casualties. No. So
2: you go to the... the over- overlooking the big airfield where the fight was, the German air paratroopers had to seize it so they could yep. reinforce it. Um, Overlooking that is a German military cemetery, mm-hmm. meticulously kept. Yep yeah uh, the, the Germans bury en mass, you know, so it's not one man one yeah, great. no, no, exactly yeah, and it's just you know it's quite something, isn't it? It's the same day. Yeah, May ninety four what May ninety four, May ninety four one, May ninety four, May ninety May four They were all killed the same day. Yep. I can't believe it. Yep. I mean, you, you walk down yep. the road, and you say, "Well, who was left?" Well, you know, just enough was left to yep. seize that airfield from a kind of, you know, confused defense. Yeah, no, the we'll New Zealanders get, get blamed. Everyone was out of communications. No one yep. knew where anybody was. But
0: it should never, it, it? Shouldn't have happened. But but that but to me happen. is
2: the that to me is is the myth of Blitzkrieg. It's all, it's all, the series is all what? powerful yeah, airdrop. But, but
0: okay, so 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 tenth of May nineteen forty. Yeah. You know, it's always one-way traffic, right, for the Germans. You know, they come down, they capture Eben and Mail, they kind of capture all the bridges, yeah. over the, you know, whatever they need yeah. to capture. Um, 353 aircraft lost in one day. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, that is the single worst day for yeah. the Luftwaffe in the entire Yeah, war.
2: no, no, there's, um, <laughs> there's something else, too. We're in Greece, you know. Crete is a Greek island, yeah. and... You talk about the Germans fighting the British and the Commonwealth, and the Greeks say, "What about us?" They put a made. There were a lot of Greek troops on that island too. Yeah, and they, yeah. were, they had their they had their anti aircraft guns and their 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 weapons trained yes, a lot. Yes, they did. Just and there were and there were Cretan fighters and Greeks? Um, I spoke here in, in uh, New Orleans a couple weeks ago on Ohi Day. So Ochi is the Greek word for no. Ochi Day is a day celebrated by the Greeks. The day that Mussolini put his demands in front of Metaxas, and Metaxas said, Oh. So he said no, and so the Italians invaded. You know the sequence, James. Mm-hmm. They got held up. They got beaten back. Hitler had to ride to mm-hmm. his rescue. Blah blah blah, and all. And as a result, Operation Barbarossa was weeks late, and thus yes. Greece saved Western civilization. As Again, it had this and 490, and 480 BC. <laughs> it. it um, I have uh, my, my my nephew's married to a, a very beautiful young Greek woman. They just had their. First child, so we have a Greek member of the family now. Um, but it, it struck me that so that's Greek, the, the narratives of World War II that we all have, and that's Greece's narrative. And uh, who can
0: say well, Greece's not? story is rather yeah. the, rather salt but it's a fantastic yeah. story. It's yeah. amazing.
2: So I just, to me, um, this will always this will always be about narratives. You know, I, I've mm. learned that more and more. I I, I I write what I believe is factual history. You know, I would never knowingly put down a falsehood, and I'd probably no, have sure. unknowingly put down more than a few, if you write as many words as I have, probably. Yeah, yeah, well, likewise. Um, but uh, but really, I, yeah, sure, it's factual, but it's also about points of view, and we definitely have one here at the museum. We have one in the States. You know, we, we, have, we have the British narrative, you know, their mm-hmm. finest hour. Yeah. Britain stands alone, and... Uh, you know, with only 800 million people around the globe standing <laughs> behind you while you were standing yeah, alone, yeah, or no, whatever, the the, Navy. whatever the number, yeah, the largest yeah, Navy like, in be, the yeah, world. Yeah. You've done, I think, marvelous work and kind of you know, calling that whole notion into question. But it doesn't matter how what you do. It doesn't matter what I do. People are always going to think Britain totally stood good. alone. I know. It's the narrative. Little
0: Britain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just listen before before we, we split because you've got to go and I've got to go. Um. I I I've, I've, really, the other thing I think is really interesting is, is your blaming of the Wehrmacht generals, and I yeah. think that's fascinating. are yeah. because um, they, they, they kind of they like to make out that you know we were only following the orders. Yeah, just remember orders.
2: they were only following orders. If Hitler had listened to us, we would have won the war they all wrote memoirs after the war um, obviously trying to exculpate themselves let's face it, that's why people write memoirs I mean, I don't really blame them for it nobody's going to write a a self incriminating memoir I mean, the last one of those was like St. Augustine you know, you have to go way, way back Um, but none of those things are true they they backed Hitler from the very beginning many of them supported him coming to power they backed his plans for rearmament they were enthusiastic about the Polish campaign a little nervous about the French then he carried all before him whatever they said later Totally on board for Barbarossa. Mm. Yep. They thought they were going to Moscow in a lunge. They did. I mean, even the staff studies. I they had stu- they knew what the operational plan is. It might have to be a lull at Smolensk and, and so on. But they thought they were going to win that campaign. And and uh, so and then on and on. Uh, every time we say Hitler made a mistake, what he was doing was adjudicating between an argument within his generalship and general staff about whether or not to do the Kursk campaign and exactly when to do the Kursk offensive for example or earlier launching the campaign into southern reaches of the eastern front in 1942 so at the end of the war, they were writing memoirs saying we we weren't on board. We didn't do any of those things. We hated him. We thought he was nasty. We didn't like the, we didn't like the way he ate his peas with a knife. You know, these ridiculous things, <laughs> or the way he slurped his soup. Yeah. One of it, one there's a there's a German officer. Uh, it's Gersdorf's memoirs, I think, who says that. I remember when I saw Hitler was just slurping his vegetable soup. It I mean, was so disgusting.
0: But look, they were, they were
2: they were they were all up for war crimes, and they were almost all of them were up to their. Eyeballs and war crimes. They were looking for friends in the West. They 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 wrote these fascinating memoirs: Guderian, Monstein, Melanton. I grew up on that stuff. Yeah. I cut my teeth as a young historian reading the other side of the hill, Panzer battles, the other side of the hill, which is little Little hard book. Yep. Yeah. German generals looking to solidify their reputations. Little Hart looking to solidify his reputation as the father of oh, bloodstains. Yes,
0: uh, yeah, he, he Little Hart. I mean, the influence you had on us oh, in the 90s yeah. was enormous. We had, we had
2: no idea until we read your book, yeah. whichever book. Of, you
0: know. Oh. By the way, if you put a good word in the war tri- crimes tribunal, that would be great. Oh, yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, it would I mean, that's really what's help. What's yeah,
2: going yeah, isn't we need it? friends. Oh, uh, and, and the the greatest memoir of them all, Lost Battles by Erich von Manstein. It's the greatest uh, German military memoir of all time. You know, not only were they convincing, and these were very attractive, noble, you know, figures from old noble families, and Americans always kind of loved that sort of thing. Um, the Prussian you know, there aristocracy. Was a, the, yes, you know, kind of like that, even though we live in a democracy. Maybe precisely because we live in a democracy. We like that sort of thing. But... Um, there was also uh, there was a, new, there was a new enemy out there. It was the Russians. Yeah. Cold War. And suddenly, you know who had experience fighting the Russians? Yeah, it was these guys. And the Germans were able to sell us a, a, a real bill of goods in the course of the 50s, mm. 60s, 70s. And I would say the peak, Wehrmacht worship in the United States, 1980s, yep. in the uh, U.S. military yes. establishment. Uh, seminars at the U.S. Army War College, inviting Melaton, inviting, awesome. inviting German officers. So, yeah, it's great stuff um but i still that's that still stirs my soul i no longer really believe it but yeah. when i read it i feel like a 12 year old again which you know when you enter your 60s
0: <laughs> but they were you all can't put a price on that but, but they were bastards and they and they did really bad things
2: yeah I'm, I'm almost top to bottom you can find some exceptions i mean you you can um the, the exceptions prove the rule right right the fact that you get this or that and then there's 500 officers who you know really did horrible things i'm currently writing a book which is going to look at Hitler's relations with late war officers. You know Guderian and Rommel and, and, yeah, and yeah, Melton. Yeah. You know all these guys. Uh, Mowrul maybe even. But you probably don't know Scherner or yeah, Rendelich or some Schoen of these yeah, one of the worst. Some of these characters at the end of the war. Uh, he was horrible, wasn't he? Uh, just a, a butcher. Not only a butcher uh, in, that, in that he drove his men into ridiculous military operations which they had no hope of winning but, you know, just yeah. executing them wholesale on, yep. on specious char- charges mm-hmm. of cowardice. You know, and then my, French isn't good, but my French isn't good, but I'm going to say it in anyway. with, pour encourager les autres. Is that right? <laughs> to, yeah, so. to encourage the others, I think yeah. so. That's good.
0: <laughs> I think it's pretty good. I felt that accent was faultless.
2: <laughs> That's a New Orleans, yeah, Italian, is the, American is one French.
0: of the most despicable people ever, isn't he? And he's Fairmont. He yeah, yeah. He's, no,
2: he's not. Oh, so if you just say, oh, well, the Waffen-SS did these things, but the Wehrmacht had clean hands, that will get you a at your local historian uh, a bar that will get you a laugh you know from yeah, the yeah, patrons yeah. around the, around the bar so the the the, the entire history of the uh, of the Wehrmacht has been rewritten in, in I would say the last 25 years but it should be the entire history of everything has been rewritten in the last 25 yeah, yeah. years and who knows what well, it news doesn't
0: stand still does it I understand no, it, it doesn't stand still
2: I hope it never does stand still or I try to find you know I'll try to find another line of work
0: <laughs> on
2: that note on that note Brilliant,
0: Rob. Great. As always, it's lovely to see you, and, James, um, and it's thanks nice for always, that.
2: Always a treat. You, are, you have an open invitation to New Orleans, and I hope I have an open invitation to Chalk Valley. Hey, you I always do. Down on tape, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm into that.